Hey guys, and welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Do people tune in anymore? That's an antiquated phrase. I'm old. That's been coming up a lot lately. I had a big birthday lately, so I can't help but talk about my advanced age. But I'm young. I'm vibrant. I'm still going, guys. I'm still delivering podcast after podcast. Nothing can deter me. Not even a big trip or two. I've been away a lot. Uh, I just got back to New York yesterday. I'm taping this on Sunday morning. You might be hearing this on Monday if you're a regular uh, podcast listener and you subscribe and you download it ASAP, which is really the way to do it. You want it fresh and steaming out of the oven. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I was out of town last week in Las Vegas, Nevada um, for CinemaCon. CinemaCon is bizarre, but it's awesome. It's a, um, it's, it's an, it's a kind of a convention. Well, the con would tell you that it's a convention, uh, for exhibitors, meaning like Regal Cinemas and, uh, who else puts on cinemas? Alma Draft House probably has a presence. Anyone that, that has a movie theater is there and they, um, and they are basically there to, uh, meet with the studios who all present their big, movie stars and slates for the coming year. So from my vantage point, I've gone a few years and it's fun for me because I get to see a ton of content from the upcoming year from all the major studios. They show off exclusive trailers and clips. They bring out movie stars that I can sometimes talk to and, uh, and it's fun. What's not fun is that I, I literally got about 10 minutes of um, daylight outside uh, human air uh, in the space of about five days. So that was silly and bizarre and probably destroyed my brain. But uh, but it's all for the greater good because I did get a chance to see some cool stuff. Um, I, I tweeted about some of the stuff, but I, I know a lot of you guys that listen to this are probably big, um, you know, fans of movies. So I'll mention some of the stuff that stuck out to me. Um, I really liked a couple of things at the Sony presentation, uh, including... Um, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence starring in a new film called Passengers, which is kind of a sci-fi film, though it really only uh, has two characters. Um, and they play uh, characters on like kind of basically a spaceship that's going on like a 120-year mission that um, wake up a bit early and only have each other to hang out with. And it looks like a, a really cool, special sci-fi movie. Um, I also really like from Sony, and <clears throat> this might have been the, my favorite trailer that I think will will drop soon. Um Ang Lee's new film. Ang Lee, of course, most recently directed Life of Pi, uh one best director for that. Um directed Brokeback Mountain. He he's one of our finest filmmakers. And he's directed a movie that it's been on my radar for a while and I think a lot of people haven't really paid attention to it, but I think they're about to. It's called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Uh it's a mouthful and it stars uh, somebody that I've never seen before in the lead role, Billy Lynn, but it also has him surrounded by some really cool talent ranging from, it's a very weird eclectic cast, like Vin Diesel and Kristen Stewart. And it, it's, um, there are a couple hooks to this one that, that really got me. Well, A, the, the story looks hugely compelling. It's, it looks like kind of a, um, Vietnam era film, um, kind of a, a slice of life character study of a, of a young man, uh, dealing with both war and what's going on at home. And the, sure, this is stuff we've seen before, but when we've seen it done well is, is exceptional. It almost reminded me of kind of like, you know, the old Oliver Stone platoon born on the 4th of July, that era of filmmaking, which was fantastic. Um, but also worth noting, um, 
just from a technological standpoint, this is a film that Ang Lee has shot in 3D and has shot at times, I believe, in, um, I'm going to get the, the math in this a little bit wrong, but, um, I think it's like 128 frames per second, which is, which, Suffice it to say, if you're not like a techno technological, you know, expert means that it's, um, super, super crazy high definition, way higher than what we're used to seeing in film. Um, and it looked gorgeous. It looked amazing. So, uh, I'm really, really psyched for this one. And I think it's uh, judging from the trailer. I think this one could be a big Oscar contender. Uh, there was a lot more. I saw, I saw some cool new stuff from X-Men Apocalypse that looked better than anything I'd seen before. Saw a first look at Assassin's Creed, uh, starring Michael Fassbender. Um, there's a lot of great stuff. So, and I should mention that there's a, a bunch of fun interviews that I got to do that are on MTV's website, mtv.com. Uh, search it out. There's, um, let's see. I spoke to Jesse Eisenberg about Batman v Superman. I spoke to Dave Franco about Han Solo. I spoke to the entire cast of Suicide Squad, including Cara Delevingne and Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Um, there are too many. I probably interviewed about 30 or 40 people in the span of uh, a few days. I also, two interviews to look out for. Um, I sat down with Jeff Goldblum, which was about 10, 15 minutes of utter insanity that just was gold and and hopefully we'll do something with that on mtv.com. If we don't put something out there, I'll, I'll make sure I put it on the podcast because it's, it's just too much fun. And, uh, also scored the only sit down with Chris Pratt, my old, good old buddy, Chris Pratt. So thanks to him for agreeing to sit down. Thanks to his publicist for agreeing to, for him to sit down. He only did one interview in CinemaCon and it was with little old me. And, uh, it was great. Chris is awesome. And we talk a lot about Passengers, Magnificent Seven, which is his first Western coming up, as well as, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which he's in the middle of shooting. So a lot to come, a lot to look out for on the website. And we haven't even mentioned today's podcast. Today's podcast is an interview with Sam Hewen. Uh, I know a lot of you probably are tuning in based on the name here because Sam Hewen's got a following. Outlander's got a following, and uh, and he's a charming guy. He's kind of easy on the eyes. So I, this is this is a podcast, if you didn't know. So you can't actually see him when you listen to this. But use your imagination. Use your imagination as you would in reading Outlander. Use your imagination as you would as you drift off to sleep and think of pleasant things. Conjure up images of the gorgeous flowing locks of Sam Hewen. Maybe he's wearing a tartan of some sort. Uh, maybe he's wearing a full suit. Whatever you want him to wear. But he's, he's a, a, a delightful young man who has uh, found kind of a, the first big role of his career in Outlander, which is, of course, on stars and has uh, a ginormous fan base. And I, I, I understand why based on the material and based on the casting. So uh, Sam's one of these guys who I haven't really talked to much. I talk, spoke to him in Comic-Con in San Diego a few months ago. But um, when this opportunity came around, uh, I was intrigued. I knew that you guys would be intrigued. So the rest is history. I hope you enjoy uh, this conversation with Sam. And uh, only one interview this week. I know we've been experimenting with multiple interviews. I think we'll get back to that. I'm really enjoying that format, and hopefully you are too. Um, we'll see. It's kind of based on scheduling and yada yada. But uh, since I was away, it was hard for me to kind of book two interviews. But um, we'll get back into that hopefully soon too. Suffice it to say, you guys are getting a lot of free shit from me. Okay? So stop complaining. <laughs> 
I know you're not complaining, but um, thanks for tuning in. Hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. Let me know who you want to hear, what you're digging, what you're into. And most importantly, just sit back and relax. Enjoy this conversation with Outlander star Sam Hewitt. We're diving in. With Sam Hewen. It's good to see you, man. Hello there. Good to be here in sunny New York. Yeah, it's not so sunny. Scottish weather. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I've brought the, the weather everywhere I've been on this press tour. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it rained in uh, Sydney, Tokyo, uh, LA, and now New York. You're a harbinger of doom and gloom Absolutely, wherever you go. Absolutely, yeah. No. It's very depressing. <laughs> uh, but we were saying, uh, as we tape this, this is a big week for you guys here in New York. You're, you're taking New York by storm. So to yeah, speak. We, I feel like we're taking over New York a little bit. We are. We have our premiere tonight, which is going to be very exciting. And then um, we have the Saks uh, store. We have our costumes up, a great display in the windows there. Nice. And then at the end of the week, it's Tartan Week. So uh, I'm I'm the Grand Marshal this year. Very honoured. And I'm going to be leading uh, leading the pipes down down Sixth Avenue. That's probably not something when you're growing up as a kid. You're like, you know, probably one day it's all going to lead to this. Yeah, that's really odd, actually. Yeah, I never thought that would ever happen. So, do you enjoy the? Um, I mean, you've been you've been racking up the frequent flyer miles, traveling mm. the world in support of this. Is this? It's mm. work, but yep. is it enjoyable? Uh, I've had no fun at all. It's been very miserable. <laughs> no, it's been it's been terrific. You know, I've uh, I've had a you know a, a good day off. You know, wherever I've been and. Uh, you know, explored in Japan. I went to Kyoto on the bullet train and did lots of fun stuff in in, in Australia. And uh, yeah, this is kind of like the the climax, the culmination. Is is there is there more comfort this go around in the press tour in terms of after promoting the second season versus when it was new and you didn't know how it would be received, etc. Comfort. Uh, yeah, we had to do everything by bus last time. They, 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 yeah, and uh, now we're being very well looked after. Um, <laughs> you know, you've made it when. Yeah, you can't everybody gets their own car. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we we are extremely well looked after. It's it's wonderful. It's kind of very strange, um, but I, I guess what I would say is that we've we're maybe a bit more used to it now. We like, you know, the first year was definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Did you, did you, well, first of all, I feel like I owe you an apology. The only other time I met you uh, was you and Kat at Comic-Con this mm. past July. Yeah. And it, it felt like such a, a, a novel idea. Oh, let's play like a, a Know Your Co-Star kind of game, a newlywed game. And then I like yeah. look online, like as I'm researching you and I'm like, you've probably played that horrible game like 15 times at least. Uh, maybe once or twice, but to be honest, I still lose and uh, I'm very <laughs> competitive. And I get asked the same questions and I still never know the answer. So uh, normally when's Kat's birthday and, and what's her favorite food? And I still can't remember. So what um, what do you learn about her on the second go around now having worked with her for a couple of years? What do you know about her now that you didn't know in, in the first season? Um, do you know, it's, it's funny, actually, season two, definitely. I think we've got even closer. Um, and I just, I, I mean, I'm absolutely overwhelmed about how lucky I am to be working with her and um and I think that bond between us is definitely you know in the show in season two you, it's more complex it's, it's sort of deeper rooted and it's like a more of a grown-up uh relationship or, or more of like a modern marriage right. um, in the show and I think that was also reflected in you know our sort of personal relationship as well can you you know like you could have a drinking game associated with the the, the times chemistry is mentioned in terms of like you know co-stars and making it work or whatever. Yeah, is too yeah. much made of that? Can you can you like could a show like this be achieved if you legitimately just didn't get along offset? You think? Oh, that's a really good question. Because um, you do you go into these chemistry tests, right? And uh, I was very. It's just l- an audition, basically. Well, it's or basically not? an audition. Yeah. Um, 
and I was very lucky to be involved quite early on in our show. So uh, I tested with lots of um, very attractive uh, young ladies. And, um, you know, I felt chemistry with, <laughs> with a lot of them. <laughs> but, uh, it was, no, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. When you're in it, you don't, uh, you know, you're not aware of, of what's happening. You're just, you know, um, in the part. And I guess it's for everyone watching to, right. to look for the chemistry. But I don't, I don't know. What do they look for? I, well, I mean, I, what do you recall of meeting her for the first time in terms of like, do you, did, was there something different then versus the other women you were testing with? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say is, and is that when she walked in, it was like, oh yeah, she's absolutely perfect. And mm-hmm. then, and to be honest, before I knew it, you know, we were doing this very intense scene that, uh, it's in the show, but it's you know quite dramatic. And before I knew it, I mean, we were literally getting physical, like sort of tearing chunks out of each other. And I remember at one point thinking, God, Bob, she can really give it back. So I think, um, to be honest, I think Katrina just wowed everyone with you know, her performance. So I'm curious, um, like, where were you at in your career, in your view on your own career and your like self-worth or whatever when you mm. got cast in this? What was, what was the, if I was talking to you like the day before you got tested for this, where were you at? Uh, it's actually very, very funny. I was, um, I'd been in America for quite a while. I'd uh, just finished a pilot season and tested on uh, about four shows, quite, quite, you know, quite exciting stuff and got really close on things. Um, and then returned back to the UK a little bit despondent and, and actually started doing one of those things that I guess an actor does all the time. Just start going, can I actually do this? You know, I'm not getting any younger and, you know, am I going to be able to support myself in the future? And I, I actually, it was at a point where I was looking at, you know, having to, you know, go work in a bar or, you know, do that, do that sort of thing or, um, you know, odd jobs, but, but it's right. been something that, you know, every actor does, especially, um, when you're starting out, you know, uh, and then I got the call to, to go and audition for this, this series. And, um, it was kind of just stepping on this roller coaster. Well, it does feel like, you know, in the narrative of people like write about you, it feels like overnight success, but you'd been doing this a while. You I mean, early thirties when you get this part, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, did, how did you rationalize that when you start to sort of like see what the press kind of made of you? And you're like, well, I've actually been doing this for like 10, over 10 years and yeah, having I, some successes and maybe not su- some successes or whatever. I've been on the roller coaster for a while. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it is a little bit, but in also a way it's, it's wonderful. You know, you get, um, it's just absolutely catapulted, you know, my career and changed my life. It's become my life. Uh, but I guess, yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I've graduated drama school 2003 uh, and I've been working ever since, you know, off and on as a jobbing actor. So a lot of theater and, you know, bit parts in, in drama, but this is, you know, in a way is very new, but also yeah. I feel lucky that it's come at a time when I, I sort of feel I know what I'm doing. Almost. Right. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> <Just> a little. There's <laughs> always something to learn. Yeah. Was there was there one that got away in the in the years prior that you felt like, oh, this is gonna change my life. I'm like in the top, you know, top three or four now yeah. and they're yeah. about to I think it's gonna happen and then yeah. clear coasting to yeah. the top. Yeah. Was there one? Uh, many. Yeah. <laughs> many. I got a long list. I mean, how long have you got? Um but yeah, and also when you start when you test on shows and you you get so close and what they do when you do a test is that before you do your test, the, your, your agents, they have to strike, you know, the deal. Um, right. You're signed on so to like signed three on, or five years you know, or whatever money you're going to get. <laughs> and always, you know, before you've got the job, you start imagining, you know, how you're going to spend your money and you maybe even go out and buy yourself something. You're like, this is, this is great. You're like, yeah, so year three, I guess yeah. I'll buy the house. I'll buy the and house, then... the car. <laughs> um, 
and that new watch I've been looking at. So um, yeah, I mean it it is, and I guess you know over the years you you get a bit more aware that this is the process that happens, and then actually that that um, you can't let it sort of you know take you over. And uh, but now I you know I'm in a fortunate place where people bring me coffee. Uh, it's just like magic. It's That's the dream again. When you start out being an actor, the dream is one day to be on a podcast where someone just brings you coffee when they you ask for it. Coffee. Do you know this guy kind of looks a bit like you? Oh yeah. yeah, I can't do. Probably could not have to talk about the brand, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's a bespectacled man with, with that needs a haircut on the on the coffee. Yeah, maybe and that's you should start me. your own coffee brand. It's my side business. The podcast doesn't pay the bills, man. I got to do what I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, in, in retrospect, did you know what you were getting into when you got involved in this? Does it feel like? I mean, this kind of a thing that engenders the kind of passion in fans does not come along very often. Yeah. Did they? Did whoever, Ron or whoever, kind of explain to you what the ride was going to be like? Or can anyone even do that? Um, no, they can't. And I actually, no, I don't think I knew what I was getting into. Um, and I guess, as, again, you know, going back to being an actor and being that sort of thing, you always play it down and you're saying, you know, it's not going to. Well, because you've been burned before, probably. Every actor's yeah. like had that thing where like, oh, this is going to be the one that clicks. Yeah. So yeah, you, know, you do a show and then it you know it doesn't get picked up or you, right. know, you do series and or whatever. So you, you're always trying to you know not get your expectations too high. And I think um, it's also been a real learning curve. The show it's been it's been terrific, and uh, I think that's what's great about it. You know, it's never it's never going to get tiring or tired because it's constantly changing and, and reimagining right. yourself. And then certainly our season two is is, is a, almost a completely different show. So give me the pros and cons of sometimes being objectified. Is there any con? I feel I would feel like I would I would wish this on myself to feel like people are judging me by my looks in a good way. Uh, how do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think it's, it's an odd thing. Here, here's my perspective on this. Like, so I've been at MTV for many years, and uh -huh. like, and and uh, for instance, in a much different kind of a franchise or whatever. But like, I had many conversations with Robert Pattinson, for instance, right, in Twilight, okay. and sure. I feel like he had to kind of like ride out this very odd thing where mm. he people projected stuff onto him because yeah. he was playing this character and there was a disconnect between him and the character yeah and uh, you know for you i would think there is a bit of that where some people see jamie and not sam mm. when they see you mm. is that something that you've experienced and something that is just it, it's fun or can it be a little bit of a mind fuck in, in a way for you um yeah I, I suppose i have seen that um which uh, I guess I'm flattered by because I guess it means I've probably done my job. Right. But, but um, and I, there are there are other people that I pay money to to, to sort of worry about those things. Right. But um, I, I you know I take it all in good humor, and I think uh, it's nice that people kind of so buy into you as a character. But then I guess you know there are times when you know you you wish people would sort of see you as as the actor, and you're not actually that person, and you're just playing sure. a role. And um, you know, and I guess actors always worry that they're going to be typecast or always seen as one person. They yeah. start to go against trend or against type. But um, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I, I'm not sure. Uh, Are you seeing that in, in the, the things that you've been offered or the things you've been up for since outlander have has it changed and are they interesting or are people kind of like just again taking at face value this one character you've done and just giving you similar parts to that uh initially yeah i had i was offered something uh and it was to play a red-headed scottish warrior in this period piece <laughs> i was like really? what imagination wow, you thought outside the box for that uh it's quite a big show but um no it's it's changing as well and um 
yeah, I've had some really interesting uh, things that we're sort of working on at the moment. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited. It's and, and it's all down to Outlander and the fact that, you know, um, it has got this great fan base and that the show seems to be doing pretty well. What were, what were the first, you know, again, we're talking about how you no one can possibly know what they're getting into in something like this. What was the first kind of exposure to fans or, or in a massive way, in a small way that was kind of like, okay, this is... This is not going to be the normal run-of-the-mill experience. This could be something that resonates on a on a massive level. Yeah, I think we did um, a fan event very early on. I think we'd only shot maybe two or three episodes, I think. And we did this fan event in downtown LA. Uh, we, we may have not even um, completed those episodes, but we I think we showed them a small trailer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there were people out there, you know, queuing up from sort of, you know, very early in the morning. And uh, I guess we didn't didn't expect that. And, yeah. um, in, in every way, you know, on Twitter, you, you know, that also for me, you know, because we're in this bubble in Scotland where it's kind of removed from it, which is, is in a way quite nice. Um, but on Twitter, you can sort of see, or, or social media, you can see, uh, you know, the, the excitement and the anticipation that people have for the show. And yeah. I think that's definitely... Um, very rewarding when we then get to come to you know New York and, right. and let people you know finally see it. Is there is there a quote unquote typical fan, or have you been surprised by the breadth of fans and the kind of different age groups or whatever? Yeah, I think that you know the original book fans uh, are maybe of a certain demographic because sure. you know Diana wrote these books twenty years ago, um, so they've been waiting twenty years. So they're you know a group of people that probably read those books back then that had been waiting for them to be made but we've attracted a lot of new fans you know um even people that haven't read the books especially um you know i think the show is just i think it stands alone um obviously we wanted to to represent the you know diana's great book series but um yeah we've attracted people that haven't you know sort of even read the books and then they've gone on to do that well, and it's fun too. Also, like I mean, I remember when I first heard about it, and it, you know, again, yet yeah, based on the, the, the book series or whatever that I, that I frankly wasn't myself uh, knowledgeable about. But then I heard Ron Moore, and I'm like, okay, mm. that checks a different box that makes me very intrigued by this, and yeah. it's that unique blend that I think yeah. is probably expanding your audience beyond maybe what typically you would expect it to be. Yeah, I think our show does to appeal to a lot of people because it's it's got so much in it, and I think season two certainly uh, really we begin to start to play with the other stuff, you know. Season one is about individuals and, um, you know, there's, there's the history side and the, the sort of time travel is, you know, is a factor, but it's not a huge part of the show. Right. Um, uh, you know, and there's obviously this romantic um, interest as well. But season two really starts to play on a larger scale. And uh, Ron definitely plays a lot more with time and time travel and also the the effects of that. So it does feel a bit like Back to the Future. Nice. Yeah. Referencing the poster behind me right I now. I love that poster, yeah. So let's, th- let's talk a little bit about um, influences growing up, just like what you were into, just yeah. what your sensibilities were, clearly yeah. Back to the Future fan. Oh, what what, was, else, what were you into? What rocked your world as a kid? Yeah. Spielberg, I guess. Um, definitely, How yeah. Not right. Yeah, exactly. You were in the right age group. Yeah, uh, I was a big, you know, a big fan of you know Indiana Jones and all that sort of thing as well. And uh, I guess Bond films. You know, I I had I grew up. Um, we had a black and white television that you had to sort of tune in with a dial. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had only maybe four channels, three channels, uh, and we were only allowed to watch one show a night. You know, with a strict parent. And, uh, but it was great, you know, and I, I, so I, Star Trek for me, and that's obviously Ron, you know, Ron Moore was involved in that Star Trek Next Generation. Um, but also, uh, theater as I got older, it was a big, big influence for me. And I think yeah. that's kind of where I got the passion. 
Did anybody in your family, was anybody in your family in the business at all? Or was it, did it surprise everybody that young Sam wanted to get on a stage and do <laughs> this kind Sam. of thing? Young Sam. Uh, they, um, they are, I have a rather artistic uh, family. So I guess they were quite pleased, but also actually warned me a lot that, you know, this is a career that could be very difficult to get into and, right. and you're never going to make any money and uh, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, it's been great. They sort of kept me grounded. So what was the first professional kind of gig? You were acting in school, went to, uh, like, when did it kind of, like, go from fun to potential career? Um, I joined a youth theater in Scotland, um, and then I went to drama school, uh, Royal Scottish Academy. I think it's called the Royal Conservatoire now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sounds very, very classy. Very posh, very classy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that's where it all changed for me. I was very lucky in my second year. Um, I got asked to do a play uh, that was in the Edinburgh Festival um, and we transferred to London at the Royal Court and um, I got nominated for a, a, an Olivier Award which was incredible and I think that's you know the point you know so then I got an agent and yeah. sort of things started to, to, to go from there but um, yeah just very lucky to be to be you know chosen or, or to, to have that sort of opportunity. Was was the dream to come here to the States or were, would you have been content to simply work in Scotland, work in the UK, wherever, uh, and make your life there, because plenty obviously do and can. Mm. Yeah, actually, you know, I guess as you start to dream bigger, you know, your your aspirations get bigger. But I initially, you know, was captivated by theatre and, you know, learned who, you know, who was running which theatre and what, what plays I wanted to do. And I think that for me was definitely the drawer. But then as you get into it, uh, certainly at drama school, you start to, you start to get seen for jobs, so you start to to hear about other success stories and that right. makes you dream bigger. And I, you know, I do remember, you know, walking down the streets, you know, after school sort of dreaming about being in Band of Brothers or, mm-hmm. you know, being in a, in a, in a hit TV show. So it, it's very strange to actually be back in Scotland, uh, you know, where it all began and be, be in an American TV show. Does it, uh, still apply to dream bigger when you're on this scale where you're having phenomenal success with a show that's like, again, really resonating with millions and millions of people. Mm. Do the aspirations get higher Do like, you know, I mean, you mentioned growing up with Indiana Jones and bond mm. and your name has mm. come up for things like bond, et cetera, <laughs> which is great. I mean, amazing. And must be like, it's funny. Yeah. It, uh, it, honestly, I think, I guess, yes. Um, I can't say too much, but, you know, I'm having some meetings at the moment. They're all very exciting. And um, it feels it feels uh, like I'm in a moment. Yeah, it feels very lucky. Um, so I guess it does, you know, and I, it's all down to Outlander. You know, it's certainly opened up uh, a, lot, a lot of opportunity and yeah. kind of ex- give me a good exposure as well. Have you, uh, could you imagine yourself in a superhero movie? I feel like this is the question I have to ask everybody superhero. contractually in 2016. I think absolutely. I, I've actually played Batman. I know. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. In, in a, a weird, in a live, in a live thing. actual thing, which, you know, um, to be honest, I think is, is more difficult than uh, maybe on film because you've literally got your, your quick changes and your, and your live and you can't, you can't mess it up. And uh, it's a very physical show. So, uh, but yeah, I would love another. I'd love another lycra suit. <laughs> Pretty cool <laughs> to hang up in the wardrobe. Why not? Yeah. Um, was uh, well, I'm curious. Like, what's the? So you mentioned like Spielberg today. Are you big? Mm. You consume a lot of film, TV. What do you have time for? Um, do you know? I don't. I mean, I try and watch as much as I can. Um, but when you're shooting, it's very difficult. You know, we have long days, and then you get home in the evening, and you need to you need to learn scenes for the next day or yeah. go over stuff that's coming up. So. You know, downtime is is um, is kind of taken up. But weekends, I, I do try and get to to the cinema. 
um, and I do occasionally binge. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a mix of things. And actually, you know, on this press tour, I've managed to have a lot of time on airplanes, so I've been catching up. Nice. Anything you've binged on recently that you were into? Uh, binged on Jessica Jones. Oh, it's really just, good, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I love it. I think it's uh, David Tennant in that, by the Tennant's way. I mean, they're all great. So but... scary. I mean, <laughs> I didn't realize it was him in the first episode, and you right. just hear his voice, and uh, it's it's quite dark, quite ominous, and um, I think. Kristen Ritter, I actually had the opportunity to meet her the other day, and I think she's terrific in the show. What filmmaker would you lose your mind to get in a room with? Oh, Maybe you've already met with yeah, them or not, but who are the ones that kind of today uh, would I mean, fry your brain? Uh, Ridley Scott, um, who you know I just absolutely love, or like a Zack Snyder film would be amazing, talking about superheroes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think Ridley Scott, I've always been a huge fan of the Alien movies, and uh, I love that world he's created. Have you met Ridley yet? He's doing another Alien movie. He's doing a couple more. Ah, he is. Yeah, I haven't met him. Hmm. No. <laughs> Pregnant pause in the air. Turns round. To Wait, see. where are you going, Sam? Oh, they've What's all happening? gone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, oh yeah, I do want to ask about a little bit more about the Batman thing because I'm just fascinated by that. I did, didn't know this existed, and it must have just been like you, I think you said it well. Like it's one thing to create in a Zack Snyder thing with 150 million dollars, but to sell that on stage, yeah. Spider-Man had a tough time doing it too here yeah, in the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that? I mean, just can, can you give me a sense of sort of was that a fun part to play? Was it an easy part to play? Was it? I, I mean, you know, in a way, uh, again, it was one of these sort of moments in in your life, and. You know, the show, it did okay. We toured around. We went, did the Staples Center. We did Vegas. We did you know, a lot of Europe, South America. Um, it just, it had this amazing soundtrack. It was recorded by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And that moment when, you know, you walk up the stairs dressed as Bruce Wayne and the lights come up on you. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very powerful. And um was yeah. it a, what, what kind of suit was it? How heavy? Like, uh, well, so underneath, you know, you had the Bruce Wayne outfit, and underneath that, you had a full body harness. Um, and then, obviously, you know, you have this quick change, which we got down to twenty seconds into the Batman costume, which Whoa, was this, yeah, I mean, incredible <laughs> latex rubber, but quite very thick. He was kind of more of a kind of tank kind of Batman. Um, and the cowl, obviously, and you, you'd, you'd sweat buckets and uh, <laughs> fly out over the audience. And it was great. I mean, I remember moments of like being in uh, Brazil, like hanging upside down for the second half of the season, just uh, second half of the show, just like waiting to, to, to fly in and uh, you know, just hanging above, you know, thousands of people. And it's, it's very odd. But um, yeah, a, gr- a great, a great job. And actually, I think I learned a lot from it, yeah. you know, which I think then I use in a great, it's just about confidence, I guess, and about, um, just the power as well, the power of uh, power of the actor, I guess. What, what do you think you'll take from Outlander and hopefully it continues on for many seasons, but what, what are the lessons or what are the skills that you've accumulated here that you didn't have prior um, that you're going to apply next Probably the ginger hair is like <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah, I know, absolutely. It's, as I said, it's been a, a learning curve. It's, uh, it's taught me a lot about not only doing the job, which is, you know, one side of it, sort of technical side and the, trusting yourself as an actor and, and, and learning lines and, and working in, in a sort of studio capacity and, and actually the endurance of it all. Yeah. Um, but then the other side as well, I guess, you know, that this press tour and, and um, just, uh, just how all, all encompassing it is. But um, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a really nice journey to be on. And uh, I feel very fortunate. Is there stuff that's brought up in the interviews invariably that you kind of like steal yourself against like parts of the, of the show, whether it's the sex or whatever that you feel like, 
yes, it's a part of it, but do we really mm. need to go there again? Or are you kind yeah. of comfortable with it all at this point? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's, it does seem to be the focus of, of, uh, yeah. uh, of a lot of interviews, but uh, really, um, it, you know, I think it's part of the show and it's an important part of the show. Yeah. Um, and we've put a lot of thought and, and time into, into those, those scenes and those episodes, and I'm, I'm really proud of it. So, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, the only question is what's under the kill. I think that's always just, it's become, <laughs> <laughs> and I still like, can't think of a good answer, but... So my next 12 questions yes, are about what's exactly. under the kill. The kill. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's not at all. You'll find out on Saturday. It's not Parade. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you're, ex- you're excited for, for obviously sharing this season, which has a different look by virtue of Paris, etc. Yeah. Does it f- feel like it's going in unique, different places than first season? Are the fans going to be enchanted as much as they were the first time around, you think? Absolutely. I think they'll be surprised. I think season two really is a, a, a different it has a different feel to the show, a different look to the show, obviously. Um, and certainly it, it is uh, the relationship that Jamie and Claire have is, uh, has, has changed. They've become, they're in this marriage now, you know, season one was about discovery and about, uh, sort of the honeymoon period and newlyweds. Season two is definitely, you know, the, the more grown up kind of complex marriage and them dealing with a lot of issues. Um, but it really is. It's a, it's a great season. It's got, you know, two counterpoints. The first half is in Paris in this very sort of high society. And the second half, we're back in Scotland where it's more immediate and, um, and there's more blood and mud. <laughs> more your speed. More my speed. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's the characters as well. You know, they're, yeah. they're in Paris, they're not comfortable there, there. Right. And it's not their world. And, and everyone's kind of a fish out of water. And, and then Scotland actually, in a way, in this season kind of plays, it's very healing in a way. And uh, before I let you go, I do want to mention that uh, on your to-do list in the in the near future, or semi near future, you're going to be climbing, right, Kilimanjaro? Yeah. Wow! Yes, yes, indeed. So, what, so what's the impetus for something like that? As someone that that uh, tries to resist any kind of physical activity whatsoever, oh, really? I'm just curious what yeah. goes on in your brain that's yeah. different than mine. I love uh, I love challenging myself, and I love I just I've, being in Scotland um, doing the show. I've um, got a real, um, found a real enjoyment in, in going up in mountains and, and sort of getting out there. And um, certainly the, the charity that I, uh, event that I created this year, Might Be Challenge, that's um, sort of an extension of that, trying to encourage people to just, you know, have a, a, a bigger horizon, a bigger outlook and, yeah. and a healthy lifestyle. And, and Kilimanjaro for me is, you know, a little challenge. And um, it's, a, it's just going to be amazing, beautiful sounds like you're kind of a goal-oriented guy, whether it's in terms of like as a kid wanting to, you know, dreaming dreams like that, or mm-hmm. even today of whether it's in, in your chosen profession or leisure activities, yeah. it's, it, it's helpful for you to kind of have things to shoot for. I think so, yeah. I'm not very good at, at doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah, I'm always trying to, I don't know, it's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm always sort of constantly active, um, though I probably will have a snooze later on today before the premiere. <laughs> Power nap. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, it's... Uh, it's great. I love it. It's um, it sort of keeps me going. Well, we name checked Indiana Jones earlier today. Mm. I've got this Indiana Jones fedora here with oh, a, with, wow. a, with a bunch of random questions. You're not ob- obligated to answer all of them because that would take five hours. Oh, but there are a lot. But answer a few. Did you write them all or um, the good ones? I did. We'll save okay. the good ones. I did. Okay, I'm going to write the bottom here. That's a nice fedora. Okay, here we go. That's a very short one. Favorite. Uh, that they missed off the E. Someone's <laughs> added it in. Favorite childhood TV show. Favorite childhood TV show. Oh, um, actually, there was a British show which no one will know. A cartoon uh, all about Excalibur. 
Okay. Legend, Legends of Prince Valiant, actually. I was kind of obsessed with it. No Sounds one awesome. ever heard of it. And uh, yeah, it was a cartoon all about Prince Valiant and Excalibur and Arthur. And I've always been kind of obsessed by that. In fact, someone should do a movie. Oh, no, they just have. They did. Guy Ritchie just did something uh, right. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's been a surprisingly tough nut to crack for Hollywood. Like, they've yeah. never really, like, they've, they've tried. They did the Richard Gere, Sean Connery one that didn't quite Yeah, work. the best was definitely the Patrick Stewart. And, well, the Excalibur. Yeah. That was John Gorman, ah, which is a... Just, it's just crazy. That's it's, one of those films, like, I don't know what you, what age you saw it, but I saw it, like, probably a few years too young. And yeah, it was myself like, too, yeah. It was a crazy movie. It was intense, yeah. Right? I, I think I saw it when I must have been around 10, maybe yeah. younger, and... uh it was on one Christmas, and yeah, it's, and it's like every great British actor is basically mm. in it. That like some of them before they did anything. And Brian Blessed, obviously, just shouting his way through it. Which, <laughs> in fact, every film that he's done is just terrific, made better by Blessed shouting. Blessed shouting, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flash Gordon being one of them. Oh my Flash Gordon! <sighs> yeah. You would be a good Flash Gordon. It, well, you heard it here first. That's why they should remake it. There actually it was a remake, and I was up for it um, a long time ago. Um, I can't remember when, but yeah. That will come around sooner or later again. Yeah, sure it will. Yeah. Yeah. The best sitcom of all time is Friends. Fraser's up there as well. Fraser's pretty good. Friends uh, in the UK, you know, it was on all the time. It's on Channel 4, and I think everyone in the UK kind of grows up with them. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of our (laughs) idea of what what American or America is. Yeah, and we all like wander around going, where's that coffee shop? (laughs) Central Perk. Yeah. Uh, Choose your own end. Find, Find the question that you like. Oh, yes. I get to... Yeah, wherever you, you know, wherever you feel the natural ending is. I'm putting the onus on you, Sam. Okay. I think this might be the last one. Okay, let's see it. Have I ever been arrested? Nice. <laughs> no. No, I haven't. I'm probably a bit of a do-gooder, to be honest. <laughs> I've made a citizen's arrest. I think it's That's been right. I heard talked about, about before, yeah. but yeah. Um, but no, I actually haven't disappointed in myself. Maybe I should. <laughs> no. I think every actor should have, you know, these sort of interesting side. And, you yeah, You're I'm not gonna, in your dark period yet? I think it was going to come. Yeah, I think <laughs> where I'm How on will it manifest? What are you going to do? It's not going to be anything really bad. It's going to be like peeing in a corner in public or something. That's not so bad. Just something uh, yeah. a little. I think it's, it's going to come. It's gonna come. Okay, keep an eye out. Yeah, Sam is yeah, looking for a crime to commit. Big, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't tell him my PD. <laughs> um, enjoy your week here. Uh, we're all excited for Alander returning, and uh, it's always good to see you, man. Thanks for stopping by today. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. From the right, I'm Mark Hard. And from the left, I'm Pete Hard. And we're the hosts of Hard Nation. We're covering all the biggest stories this election season on Earwolf while talking to your very favorite politicians like Ted Cruz. Who would I cast? A dream cast of the People versus O.J. Simpson. Obviously playing O.J. Simpson. Jesus Christ. Hillary Clinton. I'm a chopper, you dick! Oh. Ah! Donald Trump! If I became president, I would bronze every immigrant child and I would attach them to naval ships. Listen to Hard Nation Today, America, on Earwolf, Howl, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Get hard. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Thank you.